0: Hello, and welcome to episode 224 of Relics of Ore. I am not Greibach. I am, in fact, Shanghaku, and I'm hosting today because Greibach is off in the wonderful world of Japan, hanging out, doing things over there, uh, closer to Spirit than he normally is. Speaking of which, Spirit is, of course, here with me today. Spirit, how are you today?
1: Um, well, I am also not Greibach. But uh, yeah, I wish I could say that everything was great, but it's not, and <laughs> we'll get there. Uh, but yeah, it's it's definitely one of those topsy turvy days that no one's really quite sure what's going on for a number of reasons. But we'll get to all of that in just a minute here.
0: It has been a rough week for ArenaNet, uh, and I think one of the openings for this was when they announced on Tuesday the World versus World Mount. Uh, Spirit, do you want to give us the just a little bit of information that we have about it? More information is coming.
1: Yeah, so we know at least that we're getting a new mount through Worldview World. V. World. Um, it will be acquired in Worldview World, but usable in PVE as well. Uh, it will be the only mount usable in Worldview World, at least at this time. Uh, and it's a totally new model with new mechanics, and it's got uh, some sort of upgrades that allow it to interface with world v. world mechanics, like tearing down doors and stuff. So um, we also know that it's coming on Tuesday, so there's a balance patch and a patch for the mount coming very soon uh, in terms of game time. And yeah, that's about what we know at the moment. So most of the stuff that you've probably heard about it, other than those few things, is speculation. I may have forgotten a thing or two but that that's pretty much all we know so the reception around it has been lukewarm uh Can for a we number of really reasons put
0: it in the lukewarm category
1: well some people are like okay so i have i've always 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 said this the problem with worldly world is not the game mode it's that the people that the game mode is trying to serve are so vastly diverse that they don't even know what they want because Everyone wants something different out of World V World. Some people want really good single matchups. Some people want a PvE VP game mode. Some people just want to fight each other. Some people want large scale fights. Some people want medium scale fights or for middle-sized to, to middle-sized groups to make a difference. Everyone wants something different. There are very few things that the people who play World V World very hardcore can agree on entirely as things that are important to them. Uh, mounts are not one of those things. Um, <laughs> mounts were not even like on the list of top five things that World v. World players want, but uh, they have some interesting implications for the game mode, which may or may not be relevant based on who you are as a World So say for example, one of the things that people are bringing up, and I I don't necessarily ascribe to this, but I'll just throw it out there, is one of the things that people are talking about, um, is Worldview World doesn't really have a way of monetizing the game mode, which means that if the War can bring in some money for Worldview World via selling skins for it, that is a potential reason why they might want to have mounts in Worldview World. V. World. Um, Again, I don't necessarily believe that because I think it's hard to sort out, especially because it's available in Pv... Or it's not available, it's usable in PvP, acquired in World v. World. Um, you mean usable in PvE? Yes, that's what I meant. Um, because it's usable on both sides and still probably relevant to PvE players, it's hard to... It, you can't necessarily break down where the money is coming from um, but another good point that people brought up is if we shift to the Alliance system, uh, the one sort of thing that World World is bringing in now is server transfers, which uh, we're not entirely sure what will happen when we go to the Alliance system, but um, I would be willing to bet that it wouldn't be as prevalent for people to transfer servers or even possible. I don't know. That's one of those things that's just speculation. But uh, it is possible that it could be a replacement for that, or an attempted replacement for that.
0: Possibly, or or getting a world versus world uh, server uh, alliance up and running might require spending money or something. But uh, that is assuming, of course, that uh, world versus world alliances are actually a thing that is going to happen. I know that they mentioned it and they said they were really looking into it, but I don't. I'm not sure if that's going to fix. A lot of people seem to think that that's a magic bullet, and I am much more skeptical about what that'll do for the health of the game mode than uh, than a lot of people. But I was playing through WVW recently, just wandering along and getting murdered by uh, one of the uh, crazy mesmers that are out there. So they're, they're wonderful to fight against and horrible to fight against. But uh, as I was running back to where my corpse what had would have been left if I had to actually do corpse runs in this game. Uh, I was thinking, oh, man, I wish I could have a mount. And then as I was running along, I was like, if I had a mount, these maps would be so tiny. So they haven't announced every dub change. They've said they've hinted that there's more announcements coming. So I'm kind of hoping that there's a map change. Either they increase the size of all the maps Uh, to accommodate the faster speeds of the mount, or the mount isn't that much faster, or there is some thing. Also, the fact that it will be interesting to see whether or not there is supply involved with summoning your mounts, Uh, because if there's not, and they're It'll be interesting to see. Uh, obviously we'll be getting a lot more information coming up on that. so I don't necessarily want to talk to that. Uh, yeah, I do know
1: a lot of the stuff that we've got right now is is just speculation. We can we guess are. at things and in fact, um, we have a pretty good model for guessing how a feature is going to come into worldview world because we've had gliding already introduced. so we have we have some things that we can draw from on precedence, but um, but the it's fact not... that it
0: actually performs siege and we know that it performs siege is really what. Is unlike anything we've seen before. Yes, that uh, so that true. is that is going to really change things. So I am curious to see what's happening. I do know uh, I read a great actual Reddit post where someone said, "Hey, still getting over my flu, so I'm coughing randomly. So if I cut off mid-word and then come back in and say the word again, it's because I had a nice coughing fit." For those of you listening to this podcast. So uh, there was an interesting Reddit post that uh, someone said, look, guys, what do you actually want in dub? And he actually got, or he or she, they uh, got some pretty good responses in the comments. And there was a pretty consistent tone of the big things that they want in dub is the fact, or in TriWorld world Combat. I should really just keep saying Tri-World Combat. By George. I'm going to keep saying Tri-World Combat until they shut these servers down. Uh <laughs> <sighs> yeah, I figured this is a great day to say that uh, drinking some wine. So Tri-World Combat has the, has a ch- has multiple challenges. First of all, because it is a large scale PvP mode, you have the challenges of, uh, of people cheating, uh, which is problematic. And the fact that for the net code to run efficiently with that many people, a lot of the information has to come client side rather than server side, which also makes it easier for people to cheat. And... You also don't want necessarily all that overhead, as we saw with the response to people reacting to the to the quote unquote spyware that ArenaNet was putting on computers to look for cheating during their cheating bans. You can't just throw spyware on people's computers to look for the cheat programs, which then, you know, so do you move more things server side and the more you and the more control you move server side, the more lag will affect the more latency will affect your functionality. So to fight cheaters, they have to go more server side, which is going to cause more latency. So you have fewer players that can really effectively play. And so world versus world with with the latency that just inherently exists out in the world is a very difficult thing to manage for for ArenaNet. And because, as you said, it's not easily monetized. In a blatant one to one way of saying, well, because we do this in World vs. World, we make this money. For example, uh, you know, games like Fortnite uh, and other multiplayer games that I've played, uh, thinking of ones that actually sell power, but not power. Mass Effect 3 multiplayer was something that sold power functionally, but you could also acquire it in game. It's hard to monetize a competitive thing like that rather than a PVE thing. PVE is easy to monetize comparatively because people want to look cool. Uh, if you sell something that improves your ability to hit a boss harder in the open world or to gather resources and that sort of thing, it's, it's easier to monetize because world versus world doesn't necessarily have a bunch of easily monetized things. It's, it is more challenging and I'm, and without mm-hmm. a f- huge, change in focus in world versus world to expand maps to to increase the size to increase the to improve the latency issues to uh, to really focus in on how you make ww rewarding and monetizable without removing the competitive nature of world versus world you run into just a lot of challenges Uh, and i'm just not sure it's a game mode that is that that is easily solved so I think the the response to the mount makes sense on some level but on some level it's also just difficult because adding some fixing things is actually a lot harder than adding something new to the game mode in many ways Mm. so I am curious to see what happens to the mount and how it ends up interacting Uh, I'll definitely pick it up because it looks cool I think it's a very neat looking mount uh, from what I've seen and also, I just like having massive stables. Someday, if housing ever makes it into this game, knock on wood, probably not. But if it does, I want a stable where I can have all my favorite mounts and I come into my housing instance and I see my stable and there are my mounts hanging out, maybe pacing around in a field. But uh, I don't think that day will come. But... Oh, uh,
1: I've got yes. a couple of pro tips for people who are thinking about going after the War Claw, even if you aren't a big World v. World person or you aren't uh wanting to spend a lot of time there. I don't know. I've got a couple tips for you. So, we don't know exactly how we're going to get it, but I would be willing to assume that like gliding, you'll want to get some worldview world ranks to unlock abilities for it. So, uh one of the things you can do is you can pick up boxes of worldview world supplies out of the lay matter converter or from a guild trader in your guild hall and you can stockpile those and then open them uh, I mean, I don't think it matters whether you open them before or after the patch if you just want World v. World ranks, but uh, those contain some liquid World v. World experience. So when you open them, you could get a decent boost in levels. If you're really lucky, you can even get up to five levels out of them. So it it's definitely worth doing, especially if you want to minimize your time in World v. World for some reason, like if that just sounds intimidating to you and you don't want to do that, that's a way that you have to go about getting some of that stuff without... You know, delving into the stuff that makes you uncomfortable. Does, um,
0: quick question: Does that liquid WVW dub experience trigger off of one hundred percent experience gains, or is it like liquid karma now, where it's isolated?
1: I do not know how that interfaces with XP boosters.
0: So maybe try it just in case.
1: Yeah. Um, let's see what else. Um, oh yeah. So if you are if you are more interested in World v. World and you are planning on spending a decent amount of time in World of World next week to get that mount um one thing you can do is you can go into world v. world now and spend a few hours in world v. world this week because next week you will get a participation boost for having participated this week so if you're thinking yeah i want to play a bunch of world v. world while everyone's playing i'm gonna play with all my friends that kind of thing spend a little time in world v. world this week if you can and try and get that wooden chest unlocked if you go into the bronze tier you've got enough to get your participation pip for next week and then you'll get a bit more rewards for next week um you can also not a lot of people who play pve know this but there's a couple infusions for your amulet so you can get a world v, world view world reward track boost or world v. world experience boost uh infusion slotted into your amulet to get a little bit of extra stuff so where uh, do you yeah. pick
0: that up because I, I think should... they
1: are on world view world laurel yeah. vendors specifically okay. Uh, and then the play last play thing is, if that. you pop into World v. World this week and you do any of those skirmish, uh, skirmish chests, uh, which is what you need to get to unlock the participation pip, you might just want to hang on to those till next week in case anything that comes out of there is stuff that they want for the mount. We have no idea how you acquire it, so we're just guessing at this point. But if you're doing a bit of advanced preparation anyway, it doesn't hurt to just hang on to it for a little bit until, you know,
0: we know what's what. And those dub uh, dub infusions are, it looks like they are a 5% gain for the reward track, a 10% gain for experience, and they cost five laurels and 125 World Exp... Uh, 125 uh, badges of honor, so...
1: There you go. Yeah, um, if you... If you don't world v. world often, I recommend popping some boosters. Like if you're if you're one of those people who's like, I've been sitting on birthday boosters for a thousand years. I have nine hundred of them and two thousand XP boosters that they give me, and Black Lion Chester are crap because they keep giving me boosters and I never use them. Use your freaking boosters! Now is the time. Do it. You can get so much stuff out of World v. World if you pop all those boosters.
0: And yeah, it's the reward tracks are great. I just got a chalk great sword the other day, and by the other day I mean this morning when I was doing my dailies.
1: Oh yeah, you could do that as well if you want to. If you want to save up, like you can do dailies and save up the uh, potions to try and get some, uh, you know, a chunk of credit into your reward track as soon as it comes out. If there's a new reward track, who knows? Like I said, we're all just guessing at this point. But there are some things you can do to save up in advance. So. You're like, I must have the kitty cat now. There, Yeah, there you go.
0: So there you go. Those are some that is some good advice about how we can start working towards the mount if we're not big on dubby dub. But now let's get into some advice about the fractal that just came out with the last uh, last story release. We've been slowly but surely working through all the content that came out with the living world season five on this podcast. And I figured we should just uh, hop right into well, just right. It's not quick that we got here but we got here eventually last week <laughs> we played the fractal on the relics of or twitch channel twitch.tv forward slash relics of or and that was a lot of fun but now we're gonna talk about it we're gonna sit down we've digested so it was a full meal and now we're gonna discuss the meal that we ate last week spirit do you want to start by talking about the mechanics of it or the story
1: why don't you start with what you feel is most important to you, and I'll just jump in on whatever I think of.
0: All right. Well, I'm a lore nerd, so not quite Conig or Wooden Potatoes level of lore nerd, but definitely lore nerd. So the story of the Fractal, I actually really enjoyed. I also really enjoyed the map. I feel like we should talk about the map a bit at one point because it's a pretty map. But uh, the story is basically about Captain Wade, N- Wade Ente, However, you pronounce his name. Who is the ghost that, if you go into the shark tooth shark tooth caverns in the in Lions Arch, is it Sharkma Sharkma caverns, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So if you do that jumping that jumping slash just exploration puzzle, you will eventually get to the end of it, and you will encounter this ghost who was a rakish pirate who had many loves and many adventures and is in the history books fairly well thought of he's sort of the, the Johnny Depp in many ways, or maybe not Johnny Depp, but the, uh, captain Jack Sparrow of pirating in the land of Tyria. Yeah, He's he, so he's famous for that. So we get to go back in time. And when we get there, uh, uh, Dessa, I think it's Dessa, Right. Is Dessa the yes. one that's, Yeah, it's Dessa. Dessa's like, oh my goodness, it's Captain Wade, and I know who this guy is. I love the books about him. He's so cool. I am super excited to be intera- to see like how he became a captain because he's not a captain at this point. He's like a cabin boy or like a bosun. He's, he's not high ranked on the ship. And it's crash landed. His ship has crash landed. And he and his captain and, his, and us are the only survivors and he the captain sends us out to find a way to get them off get them off his island and he's injured so he goes to rest and you go off and you go off on an adventure you fight dinosaurs you fight undead pirates you run along with cursed gold and then you take a boat and all the while dessa and the other observers are watching this and they're, and they're, they they say, Oh, this is so cool. We've got you guys on your adventure on one screen. And we brought up another screen and we're watching waiting. They're like, Oh, waiting just brought a bunch of poison. Like the captain sent him out to get food and he just brought poison berries back. Like that. He was like, I'm not eating these. And they're thinking, wait, did he, did he just purposely poison the captain or is he just incompetent? And as things go by, he sort of takes the captain's coat and stuff and they're watching and they're going to themselves. I think I think he murdered the captain and now he's taking his place. And at the very end of the instance, the waitant shows up after you've done all the work and is like, well, sorry to say that our captain has passed on. But in his last moments, he's told me that I should be captain. So let's take this boat. And so the boat is supposed to set sail. He tells you to start sailing and get ship shape and such. And uh, yeah, and so that is how he became Captain Waden, which I thought was a fun, fun sort of story and a fun look at history. He always seemed a bit sinister in the game himself to me, considering uh, how many ghosts were ticked off at him. And uh, it was kind of fun to see that played out historically. Did you have any significant response to the narrative spirit
1: uh not really it's not uh it's kind of an interesting story it's a neat little like self-contained uh you know our heroes aren't always what we expect them to be uh because uh wyant is sort of a a beloved character in the fiction of tyria which is a weird thing to say (laughs) like oh yeah he was so cool this
0: fictional world
1: (laughs) yeah uh but yeah he's you know Not everything that history made him out to be. Um, Yeah, not necessarily the story that I wanted to be told or needed to be told, but I'm not like mad about it.
0: So what do you think about the mechanics of the actual instance itself?
1: Um, I do find it a bit interesting. I know it's sort of controversial, uh, the end boss for this fractal, because it is less of a boss and more... Waves upon waves upon waves of enemies with a central hardier uh, enemy. and i don't I don't have a problem with it, and I think a lot of people do. Um, for me, it breaks up the final encounter being just a boss type thing, and uh, that's fine with me. I'm I'm here for variety and encounters. Um I like them to be difficult. I like them to be interesting. I don't need them to be a singular boss that goes on a tank that that you know, I don't need them to be formulaic to to be a relevant boss to me. I don't I don't need that. Some people apparently do. <laughs> um I do think that it is a problem with some of the new instabilities. So one of the things that also happened in this patch is a bunch of a bunch of instabilities were changed or added. And some of those things scale quite poorly when there's a lot of enemies around. So for example, on the last encounter, you uh, are defending the ship using four cannons to stop waves of enemies from getting to the ship. And while you're doing that, there's an instability called the birds, which is widely disliked. But it can hit you while you're on the cannons, causing you to be blinded, causing you to take damage, causing people to go down on the cannons. And on top of that, not only are there bunches and bunches of enemies coming at you, but they can summon additional enemies. And so the birds can be summoned and that can interrupt things like your focus poles or, you know, whatever mitigation you're using to try and um, to try and deal with these these waves of adds. So they can uh, they can stack poorly. And even then, so like say you have birds, then maybe you have one one of the instabilities that procs off things dying. So you've got birds and then like last laugh, which makes the enemies explode when they die. Um, and, you know, it just, it keeps ramping up in that way. So that I do find annoying, but the rest of the boss fight I'm okay with. It's, it's not your typical boss fight, but it's not the worst and it's not, uh, I don't know. I just don't think it's bad. I think it gets way too much hate. That's I think it gets way
0: too much birds based hate. The birds are rough. The birds are rough. I think it is interesting. I think it's an interesting fight. The birds do make the cannon uh, usage difficult, but uh, I think it's an interesting fight because I used a normally when we're running fractals, I just run my raid necro build, which is small little circles and for the shades and i found actually that for me i switched to a more open world build in this fractal and it worked really well because there were the two there were two fights there was the skeleton and cannons fight which was the second real boss encounter uh after fighting dinosaurs and just being able to sit on that boss and just tank the hits in full vipers gear while i'm healing up from uh from my condition damage ticking and just being able to just m- hit all of the ads with either my sand shroud or the sand shroud that I had dropped down the one that directly around me because you can hit up to 15 targets with with the sand shroud and so if there's like 20 or 30 things around you the sand shroud is going to tick on 15 of them and you're going to tick on the other 15. Uh, uh, so that is
1: can- way too many targets it's 10 total five from the shroud and five from you. Okay. So. I, just, I just don't want you spill it, spilling lies in our our podcast about World v. World. <laughs> just necros hitting thirty targets at a time.
0: Um, let me check a thing really quick. See, oh, don't have scourge on this gear. I'm pretty confident it's fifteen targets per. If you, but you, you have to be using big sand shroud, not small. Uh, sand if
1: shroud. you're not, if you're not, if you're using small sand shroud, it's three targets each for you and your shrouds. Uh, the big one makes it five.
0: Okay. I can see that makes more sense that would also explain a few things. Let's see increase targets to two by two. So beyond the base three. All right, fine. So it's 10 targets still you're hitting 10 targets. That's fine. That's
1: not insignificant. There's not many classes that can do that.
0: Yeah, so you're basically spamming conditions on up to 10 targets, which is still really good. And I did find it interesting in the last fight when everyone else was just dying horridly. I was just sitting there going, I'm at like 75% health. And as long as I don't get into these fires uh, that are constantly popping, I'm I'm good. Or not fires, the wind that's constantly trying to blow you off the boat. So it was interesting. I feel like it's a place where a non-standard necro build is really strong. Uh, and you combine that with... with Epidemic was probably not as good, but there were you know you throw a a flesh golem in there that's pulsing to hit like three or four targets and knock them down every every second. And it's necro's really good in this instance in this fractal. So did you? I mean, you were healing through the fractal with us. Is there anything interesting on the healing side of it, or is it just like spam all the heals?
1: Uh, I mean. That day in particular, I was kind of trying out Heelbrand for the first time in a while. So it was very, very much. um, It was a little bit spammy. It was a little bit. uh, Oh, my God. I'm playing with some people who don't usually do T4s or haven't done it in a while. Uh, I'm playing a class that I'm not totally familiar with. Let's let's go hard on the spamming.
0: Yeah. Greibach hadn't played. Like there were things that he was like I just don't know this about Fractals. It was like you you just have not done fractals cuz I know he went hard at fractals when he first start when they first came out. I don't know what the ultimate point of that statement was, but yes, there were a bunch of people that did not necessarily do a lot of T4s. So, any uh aside from the boss, uh, what do you think of the cursed coins encounter?
1: Uh I'm not the biggest fan of stealth encounters in general, uh, but I don't hate that one. Um and it's been Like, going in there with new people has been slow because they want to try and get the achievements. The achievement is for, like, doing it perfectly. But I think uh, it's very underrated that you can do that encounter not perfectly and still do it just fine. Like, you can just... um, I find it good design that you can trip up a few enemies and just keep going and not have to worry about it all the time. And then there's, like... Uh like if for whatever reason you can't do the stealth part you can just brute force your way through it and you will eventually get through it. Um stealthing might be the faster faster way especially if you know the paths, but if you make a small mistake it's not like it's going to reset your progress or uh other like wipe you or anything. So I find the forgiveness of it to be interesting game design even if it's not my favorite thing.
0: Yeah, I think if you guys go and watch our playthrough At some point, you will see that it is very forgiving, especially if you've got the damage to just deal with the constant spawns. uh, It's a pretty forgiving encounter for the most part, but it is not. But that does lead to the difficulty of if you're playing with a group that doesn't have good communication, it can definitely get out of control pretty quick. So there is that. I think we talked a little bit about the the ghost or the skeleton boss. Is there anything else that stands out to you about any of the encounters in the in the instance itself?
1: Not really. Um, None of the bosses were particularly exciting to me. Like, I I don't know. I like them, but I don't feel like, oh, this is revolutionary or, uh, you know, like this is my new favorite boss. Nothing, no real strong feelings like that.
0: Yeah, I can see that. I think it was a solid fractal. I think it was well put together. It had some interesting mechanics and interesting things to think about. And they tried some cool things with the. I think the coins. Myself, I thought it was a cool idea, and I think that it was implemented well enough that it was even at tier four. It felt forgiving without. It didn't feel like it was. You have to be perfect, which I appreciate uh, for for a more complicated thing that is potentially being run by pugs. Fractals for its the hardcoreness at at tier fours it does get run by things get run by pugs pretty often and I feel like it's uh it's good that they sort of balance it around around that on some level more than whereas if you really want those super super tight encounters you're gonna be going to challenge mode uh what challenge mode in nightmare fractal and the other challenge modes, and then also doing uh, raids. So I I think it was a great fractal Uh, the map. We need to take a moment to talk about the map because I thought it was absolutely gorgeous and it got me thinking. And I I don't know if it was you or or that said this would make a great guild hall. And it is really true.
1: Yeah, uh, I want I would love to have that little Bay as a guild hall with all the merchants around.
0: It would be so. It would be cool if we could also place merchants. I'm not gonna lie. I would love to be able to like build more building type things in in our guild halls and actually place the merchants to make so that you could be either super efficient or super inefficient, more narrative driven. But uh, yeah, it was really. It it would be beautiful. I, I there's so many places I could build on it because it's got just plenty of flat spots, but also then other spots that are more interesting. Uh, I could see you creating some see people creating some cool stuff inside the maze itself, like little houses mm. and that sort of thing, almost like a uh, apartment Warren. And if you could get up on top, being able to work with that, it got me thinking fractals. The actual fractals across the boards would make really interesting guild halls, like even uh, Even uh, the solid ocean fractal, for example, with the uh, with the with the kraken, the jade maw would uh, would be kind of an interesting thing to have as a uh, as a fractal, especially if you combine or as a guild hall. And I was thinking to myself, man, I think fractals aside from maybe underwater, those those would make pretty good guild halls. It would be interesting to see if they did that at some point. Do you have a particular fractal that you would want to be a guild hall?
1: Hmm. I mean, Shattered Observatory comes to mind as like a really strong contender because I love the atmosphere of that one. Uh, but I feel like there's got to be there's like a sleeper one that's better, you know, like that's the obvious choice. But there's got to be one that'd be like better.
0: I for me, Jade Maw, just because Lux on all the way. And also I, I love green. I love the color green and it's a super green, cool, cool map. And it would be neat to just be able to build on that one. Also, it's got just a lot of space to build, and I am nothing if not a nerd attempting to constantly build out uh, an arboretum.
1: They haven't given us any plants lately. For all the guild decorations we've got for a long while, there's been no plants.
0: It's real hard. I still—we ha- don't even have all the plants. I don't think in our guild hall yet. Uh, partially, yeah, we're still
1: de- definitely super. missing a
0: few of the more expensive ones. Well, getting bamboo is just brutal. It's so expensive. There, ain't it? If I can, if you just say like once a month, give me the seeds in my home instance, the ability to plant them, and I can harvest them once a month. I and they're account bound, but I can still use them to build on my uh, on my scribe. Please do that. That would be amazing, and it would make it so that I could actually finish the arboretum because oh my goodness, it's so expensive. I do not want to spend a hundred gold on a stock of bamboo.
1: Wait, but- is there like actually an item that like, there's an item you need for it, or is it the Maguma Lilies? That's the issue.
0: It's I, it's, I think it's the Maguma Lilies. It, uh, okay.
1: I thought there was a secret bamboo item that I had no idea about that was worth more than some precursors.
0: No, but I think... Uh, let me go look it up really quick. Potted bamboo requires... Oh, it's the jungle grass seeds that are so brutal. Oh, they're super cheap now. Wait a second. Eh, eh. Wait a second. How did these get so cheap? Oh, we might actually be able to finish this.
1: Today on Relics of Horror, discovering things about scribing we didn't even know.
0: Well, I've been looking at them for a long time, but it looks like... Let me double check. Coastal Lumbler Core. Hey, I think I might actually be able to... All right, I will report back next week uh, as to during, uh, during uh, plant cast the podcast within the podcast where we discuss my uh, my crafting of plants. And I will let you know if I've been able to finish all the plants. Uh, it looks like they have significantly re- that for some reason costs have gone way down. So we'll see if that's if that's actually true. Uh, if not, I will let every oh, OK, oh, jungle rice. There we go. I think that was my nemesis. Oh, no, but that's jungle grass seed. Jungle grass seeds used to be real expensive. So we might actually be able to finish this or I might just be crazy. That's also entirely possible. Okay, I'm going to find that out, and I will let everyone know. Future Eric here, and I just want to let you guys know that the cursed item that I was talking about and thinking of was palm lumber cores. I've looked it up. Palm lumber cores are the worst thing on the planet Oh my goodness, the requirements. It's a gold each, and it's 25 of them to build a single thing with a palm lumber core. Very expensive. So I'm going to see if I can farm them. Maybe it'll be easier. I was able to farm balls of light for the respondent fountains that I built. So maybe? We'll see. Once again, I'll let you guys know how this all turns out. And if you guys are just crazy and you want to send us palm lumber cores, I'm okay with that. Or if uh, we just want to farm the living daylights out of them and just crash the market, also okay with that. So there you go. Palm lumber cores, guys. Holy smokes. Now, back to the actual episode. But uh, we're going to move on because we're uh, we're approaching 45 minutes. Oh, no. Because that is how we roll. And... ArenaNet's been tweeting about the gods recently, which I'm just really gonna quick say I'm pretty confident that we are that they're coming back because most of the dragons are sleeping, and I'm also very confident that uh, that there's gonna be a little bit of a scuffle between them and their uh, and the new pantheon that we've been building slowly but surely, and I think it'll be uh, interesting to see what happens. Uh, do you want? Uh, You actually wrote some specific notes. What do you think?
1: So my take on it is that it's not specifically about the gods, but a reminder of what is possible in the physics and laws of the myths and some of the history around that. So uh, I don't have a strong standing about that for every single one of those tweets. But for example, uh, you know, when they were sort of focusing on Grenth, it's both, it's less about, you know, did you know that Grenth did this, and it's not about Grenth, but did you know that it is possible for a demigod to become a god? Or did you know that it's possible to have a demigod? Did you know that Doom was a prominent figure in favor of permadeath, and that Grenth allows resurrection? which are terms that might be interesting to you after the last episode. So I think I think it's more a reminder of things like that than hey, the gods, they're awesome because the gods don't seem particularly relevant to me in the story anymore. No, and not. honestly, I think it would be kind of dumb if they brought them back. Like I feel like the gods had their time and it's not it's not the time to bring And they them were back. real
0: bad at it when they had it. So Yeah. <laughs> Any other insights that you pull from it? Not really. OK, well, then I think uh, continue speculating. Relics of War listeners out there, uh, tweet at us or uh, message us or, you know, tweet at the disc- or message us on the Discord. Uh, Relics of War dot. I don't know. How did they get to the Discord? Do we have to invite them?
1: Uh, I think you can join through the website if I remember correctly.
0: All right. So if you have comments or ideas, let us know contact us via the Discord, which you can access through our website, Uh, We're going to move into the final final section. We do have a short cast cast, but uh, before that, we want to talk about uh, at least a little bit about the news that hit today. Uh, this is Thursday, the 21st of February, 2019, that uh, NCSoft is is enforcing a round of mass layoffs at ArenaNet. Uh, Spirit, you've read um, more of the news articles than I have.
1: Yeah, so it's important to know that as we talk about this as well, this is a developing situation as we're recording. Uh, It happened sort of right before as we were planning to record, and then uh, even things have come out while we've been recording. So um, the gist of the news is that according to sources at ArenaNet via Kotaku, um earlier today ArenaNet got a letter from NCSoft uh basically telling them that there was going to have to be layoffs. I'm not entirely sure on on that whole thing, but what I am sure about is that throughout the day um there's been several meetings with ArenaNet employees to fill them in on what's going on uh and what to expect over uh the immediate future. Um we do know that there are projects that have been canceled, um, not necessarily related to Guild Wars Two. And actually, Eric, I'm going to ask you to pull uh, up an article because I've got my <laughs> I've got my hands full with a tiny cat at the moment. Um, but there's oh, really? been an official statement from ArenaNet since we started recording. So could you pull that up and read it for us, please?
0: This is the uh, forum post from ArenaNet team.
1: Uh, I think so. And if it's not, I'll let you know, (laughs) because there was another one as well.
0: We know you have a lot of questions about the future of Guild Wars 2. Uh, It's not super specific. They say we want to share with you what to expect moving forward from the game. First and foremost, we are still fully committed to all of our players and ongoing support of the game. We will be moving directly from Living World Season 4 into Season 5, as promised. And we plan to continue our regular cadence of updates and releases. We know Guild Wars 2 is important to you, and as our players, we are you are important to us. Rest, rest assured that we are still working to add great new content to this game. We are deeply grateful to all of you for your support during this difficult time.
1: Uh, yes, that was good. I did want to read that one as well, but there is an, another article somewhere, and I'm I'm looking for the moment. Bear with me, um, which also said that the guild wars two sta- the guild wars 2 stuff shouldn't be affected, uh, which is interesting. I think uh, it's been I don't want to say an open secret. It's like one step below that, but it's been heavily, 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 heavily speculated. And I think even understood on some level that Arena Net has been working on stuff that's not Guild Wars Two for a long time, uh, and it sounds like that is the stuff that is primarily getting hit. Um, but we just don't know at this point. Like, uh, like I said, this is a developing situation, so a lot of things that we're saying is going to be coming out of speculation, out of uh, you know a place of having seen this happen elsewhere in the industry, but not knowing exactly what's going on in this case yet. We'll definitely have an update for you in the future as we find more things out, but. Yeah, this is all quite new to everyone, including, you know, as far as I understand it, ArenaNet, because I can only guess what I've read from the articles, but from what it sounded like is they didn't even know really starting today that this was going to be happening. So that's uh, not good. That's rough.
0: I'm going to see if I can find that information as well. So Game Industry Buzz has talked some things. Okay, in a statement provided to GameIndustry.biz, ArenaNet confirmed that some staff reduction was planned, though the number to be affected was not specified. We can confirm that due to the cancellation of unannounced projects, ArenaNet will make staff reductions. The statement reads, This is part of a larger organizational restructuring within NCSoft in the West, but the Guild Wars and Guild Wars 2 game services will not be affected, nor is any upcoming game content canceled. In addition, several current and former ArenaNet employees have offered other details on Twitter, lead game designer jennifer Jennifer shirl i'm not sure if i pronounced that wrong i'm sorry if i messed that up said in a twitter thread we are not being shuffled out right away decisions are pending and arena has been very transparent with us today in meetings which is something that she appreciates very much um and uh, obviously apparently they also quote jessica price who we have not gone into the controversy there you can feel free to research that yourself uh yong Ye who does uh, gaming news has a pretty comprehensive summary of it. Uh, but anyways, uh, so she said stuff, but I'm not even gonna quote what she said. Uh, let's see. So Arena it says does also had had two major projects in the works. Oh, and this is more stuff from uh, from Jessica Price, so I'm not even gonna read anything that she says. So yeah, it sounds like there was content. Um, things that they were working on uh, which we've sort of assumed. I know that uh, there's been, various scuttlebutt that has surfaced here and there throughout the years um, of ArenaNet working on things. It is also important to note that they are, they specifically called out publishing information publishing status because ArenaNet is a weird company and we should probably remind people that the development studio and the publishing studio that when ArenaNet was formed it created it was created out of three companies. There was a publishing studio, a development studio and an art studio. The art studio, as far as I know, is still owned wholly by ArenaNet, whereas the development studio and the publishing studio are owned by NCSoft. They had to sell those two parts in order to get NCSoft to uh, fund the development and release of Guild Wars 1. uh, Yes,
1: although, interestingly enough, uh arena took over publishing of guild wars 2 around 2015 i don't have an exact date for you on that but uh, uh arena has been doing the publishing for guild wars 2 for at least the last few years
0: correct however they did not buy back their publishing it should also be noted that they did not buy back their publishing they were just given their publishing rights back so that they would get and i think what that does is that actually affects the amount of the amount that actually goes back to NCSoft. uh based on I think publishers get a slightly higher rate. So I think ArenaNet was getting more money, possibly so that they could fund more aggressively without NCSoft having to pull money out of their own pocket to fund the the side project that ArenaNet was working on. So it will be interesting to see what happens here. Um, I think if ArenaNet does it is different because of how ArenaNet structured itself than recent than other things we've seen a lot of people are comparing this and I initially was was comparing the news that I saw to the news that hit with Wildstar and with and with uh City, City of Heroes, of which are both pro- with, which are both studios that were famously shuttered by NCSoft. Uh the the good news is we've seen numbers from ArenaNet They are consistently making significantly more uh, money for NCSoft than City of Heroes or or uh, Wildstar made for NCSoft. Additionally, they are also making about the same as a game called Ion, which has been going on for a really long time, is a subscription game, uh, which means that everyone who's playing it is paying. Future Eric here again to uh, clarify some more statements. Turns out that no, uh, Ion is actually free-to-play currently. It uh, launched as a subscription game, could not maintain that, and therefore switched to -to free-to-play. I played it during the subscription phase as well as the free-to-play phase, Uh, so I have played the game, but uh, yeah. It is actually currently at free-to-play status right now. Still, I think that it brings a compelling comparison to Guild Wars 2 and the fact that Guild Wars 2 makes that money, but uh, we'll, we could talk about that later as, as this story develops. Whereas ArenaNet, I think, has a larger user base, uh, because not everyone who plays Guild Wars 2 necessarily pays, pays equivalent to a monthly fee. Uh, So... They're not necessarily in as bad of states financially, and the fact that it is side projects that are getting canceled is not an unusual thing in the gaming industry. That's actually quite common, and layoffs as a result of that are quite common. Uh, it is unfortunate, um, and it it sucks for everyone is involved. I I know how rough layoffs can be. I've been through them and been affected by them myself, and it that's rough, especially especially. If it's a side project getting canceled, that's rough because those people have been working on something and working on something that they're hope that they're probably pretty proud of or at least very passionate about, and to get it canceled is is always just a that that sucks.
1: Yeah, I guess uh, if there's anything to take away from this at this point, like because like I said, there's a lot of speculation for us, um, but also for the people at ArenaNet. Like, if there's anything to take away. Just remember that. No matter what happens today, whether um, you know Guilders Two is "quote unquote" safe or being affected or whatever happens, there's people who are going to bed tonight uncertain about whether they're going to have jobs tomorrow or in the near future, and that's uh, that's never good. That's really yeah. unfortunate. And so if you guys mean, there's know, nothing you there's nothing good you can say about that.
0: Yeah, if you know a development company and you're listening to this podcast. The tiring. They're probably already contacting the arena. Uh,
1: actually, yeah. One thing I wanted to say is uh, one of the things that uh, Jennifer. Actually, could you find her Twitter handle for me real quick? Because I wanted to shout out that that Twitter account. Um, one of the things that she mentioned is basically, hey, um, thanks for your concern. Uh, my my Twitter feed is lighting up right now, um, but if you want to support the developers um you know these people that you care about at this company then uh be patient let us go through the stuff that we're going through and get everything sorted out on our end and then we'll let you know how we you can help us so uh, i would keep that advice in mind as well just like if you want to show support to the devs we'll if if anybody has stuff like that that we can Signal boost as much as we can. Signal boost a thing because we're just a tiny little podcast in one corner. Of
0: the a tiny little podcast uh,
1: focusing on uh, ways to support the devs is definitely something that we'll be looking at as we go forward. Like if there's any information that we get about, like hey, you know, spending gems is good or spending gems is not as good. I don't know the, that kind of stuff. That is the stuff that I am interested in talking about in relation to this. Is how we can help out the people that make the game that we love.
0: So everyone should go spend enough gems to buy a legendary today. No. Yep. Don't, that's
1: don't tell people bullshit.
0: I mean, it it won't help this situation, but it might help future. Situation. Yeah, yeah. That's probably. I mean, that's a lot of gems. That's like a what two hundred bucks or something in gems for a legendary.
1: Don't worry about it for today. But if like if you yeah. keep an ear out, and if there's Arena Net devs being like, "This is how you can help us," then let us know because that's the kind of stuff that we want to know that's yeah. how we can help those people.
0: Yep so so it's uh it's not great news it's not even good news it's not even like okay news it's it's rough news it's unfortunate um it is kind of amazing i mean just just thinking about it though it's kind of amazing that arena has been able to actually grow as a company with guild wars 2 um they started at you know three guys in an attic with guild wars 1 Grew the company to twelve or twenty, I think. Is it twelve or twenty when Guild Wars One launched? And you know, they grew up to a company of three hundred people, four hundred plus people. So yeah. it's pretty yeah, amazing. One of
1: the sort of interesting things from today is that we'd always um, we've never known exactly how many people have worked at Arena Net, other than that they're growing. And sort of the last popular estimate was three hundred, but everything today is talking about four hundred. So they must have been growing a bit in the meantime.
0: Which is which is pretty amazing. Um, they were definitely so. I mean, the good news is, is that that we that I don't think they're going to lay off 400 people. Um, No, but uh, yeah. So so for yes, also, uh, yeah, I shouldn't I shouldn't have to tell
1: anyone listening to this podcast this, but uh, support staff and people who don't actively like program and game design are also game designers. Please just keep that in mind as you're talking about this. They matter as much to the success and creation of the game as anyone else
0: that is very true yeah the the i mean the the quality team that they've had at arena net as much as people may like get on them for for things um the quality control team has always been pretty amazing the things that they've worked and the stuff that they've released even when even broken stuff they, they their ability to analyze and figure it out and determine what's failing and fixing it has always been pretty amazing so so i and i've always heard good things about the arena net quality side of things quality control department yeah hopefully a lot of people are able to land on their feet with this um i think they're i think uh sounds like arena that's keeping them on for at least a little bit longer which is good there's a lot of times like we just heard about uh, activision just people coming to work recently in mass layoffs at yeah. activision and they were just but, like well you're leaving today and it's like wait what like
1: you're yeah your bag. <laughs> one of the things um that's kind of shocking about this is uh, just last week when that was happening, you know, ArenaNet made a tweet and said, Hey, you know, we're hiring, <laughs> just, yeah. the, you know, not knowing uh, that this was coming even last yeah. week. So,
0: yeah, that's, I mean, it's kind of amazing how much NCSoft, how much ArenaNet has been able to insulate themselves from NCSoft, because this is not an unusual thing for NCSoft to do. So it's, yeah, so it's rough and we, feel bad for the people that are getting laid off.
1: Our our condolences and again if there's anything, yep. you know, we can do to support, let us know. There's no- <laughs> Eric and I specifically, but you know, I want to I would love to do something to support the devs. Uh yeah. and
0: I yeah, we would just... want
1: to know ways to contribute to that.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's all and man, yeah, it sucks cuz it's, you know, we were just doing the uh Murder Hobo event you know just a few weeks ago and there was a dev there and it's like well are they get still good are they still going to be an a net dev
1: <sighs> it's i don't think it's worth thinking about too much more at this point like we need we need more information yeah. before people on our end can can do anything about it just uh yeah just hold on don't 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 start any rumors don't blow anything up just be patient and wait and we'll deal with it as it comes
0: so I think that's about where we, uh, where we have to leave it on that subject. Um, we will keep you guys updated as more information comes out. Um, and we will let you know. We'll, we'll talk in depth about things that we find out. And any information uh, that we get, we will pass on to you all through, uh, through either the podcast or through, uh, through the Discord. And uh, I think we're going to close it out on something a little bit more positive And, well, actually a lot more positive is Cascast. Uh, is our beloved section, where we try and get Spirit to successfully say some of the most complicated words oh, that we no. have developed for this podcast. Although she did it to herself, she designed this seg- segment. So really, at the end of the day, it is all Spirit's fault. So Spirit, take it away.
1: Hello, and welcome to Cast Cast, the podcast within the podcast about the cast the podcast the of other podcasts and stylecast of other podcasts. This week on Cast Cast, Eric has
0: a thing. I do have a thing. This week I uh, have been playing around with and actually, I think Spirit has you've been playing this playing around with this as well. I have always liked Taco, which is a uh, extension for Guild Wars 2. I've used it for a lot of achievement gathering and that sort of thing. When I'm when I'm done with like just whatever I can find scavenger hunting. I really like it um, for being able to sort of enable me to find things. Or if I've completed an achievement and I want to take someone else around to those locations, I can. Uh, for example, rather and I completed the, uh, the coin collection in the, uh, in the ring of fire, uh, islands. And, uh, I had already completed it and we used taco to find the, find it. And it was, a, it was a lot of fun. And I just like taco paths, but more specifically their paths for completing world, uh, for world completion are fabulous for keeping track of sort of where you are knowing what to do at a location and, uh, optimizing your world completion routes Uh, and they take advantage of mounts. So they have a full understanding of like, if you have all the mounts unlocked, how to move around, Uh, which is really nice because I tried a few of the other uh, older uh, sort of how to get around world completion things before I tried the taco one and uh, not, not keeping track of mounts is a bit hard for someone like me where it's like, okay, well I could just go straight here over this thing because I have a springer. Whereas they're like, now nah, you gotta walk around it and that sort of thing. So, uh, big fan, and just want to shout out Tekkit. And also, I watched Tekkit's video for the uh, Damos fight because that is the last fight that I need for my ascent for my legendary armor collection, and it's real good. So you should watch Tekkit's videos. Uh, it's it's real good. And uh, yeah, that's that's my shout out. Do you have any shout outs this week, Spirit?
1: Nope. Just uh yeah, tech is good stuff. I just finished a world completion using the the tech Et marker pack, which is really nice. It's a very it's a very zen experience compared to using some of the other ones. It's not quite as optimized as like some of the super optimized ones, but the old ones don't account for mounts. So it's a little bit uh it's like it's like better in some ways and but not perfectly optimized if that's the kind of like real true speedrun thing you're looking for, but it's a, it's a great experience for, I just got done with work. I want to turn off my brain. I just want to follow a path, watch, put on some Netflix and like do some world completion. It's a really great experience for that.
0: All right. Well, I think that is all we have for this week. So we will chat with you guys or chat with each other to you guys either uh next week or uh probably next week i think we're gonna have a lot to talk about next week so i yeah. uh, hope you guys have a good evening and we will see you all in the next episode bye everybody
1: this has been another episode of relics of War. if you want to get in touch with us you can check out our website and forums at relics of email us at relics of or at gmail.com or find us on your favorite social media site just by searching relics of orr If you'd like to join us in-game, you can send a Whisper or in-game mail to your spirit face, or drop us a note on Twitter or our website and say hi. Lastly, if you listen to the podcast on iTunes, feel free to leave us a comment and the rating you feel we deserve.